fellas, don't drink that coffee. <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, first question is: Can we? I mean, we're going to do, do this, this another night. Do this another night. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, man. Whenever you want to start, we should probably. I, I just think. Start. I think that like I'm going to keep the the phone ringing. You know the the fake Skype. So for um, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, Dallas just finished um, episode 22 of season two, Yeah. otherwise known as Beyond Life and Death, otherwise known as, until a couple of years ago, the last episode of Twin Peaks. He has not had time to digest it. He just... I don't want it. I don't want the time. He literally just watched the ending of it. He is coming in as fresh as possible. Um... So, for those of you who have seen, all of you have now seen this, whether you've seen it a bunch of times before, or like Dallas, you just watched it for the first time, it's just a lot to unpack, man. Hey, um, it is, and here's the... (laughs) (laughs) This is, by the way, this is great. Ideally for me, we would have watched this together the way we did, um the the Leland Maddie episode um you know this I, I physically even... couldn't make that happen but I'm kind of glad we're we're receiving you this way well but see this is the thing about this episode is it like you're dead right when you're like he came back to the show you know David Lynch yeah it's definitely the most Lynch episode <clears throat> since Lynch um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? The most well, Lynch like no episode since Lynch. No one's even approached being since this the, weird since the last time he. Since the last time he directed. Yeah, got it. Um, I'm not sure if I liked it. <laughs> That's a totally fair <laughs> feeling to have. Um, I have a couple questions. Sure. So I don't know if you want to go through so the do, episode. So do I. By the way, way. so do I. <laughs> I watched it today for the, I don't know how many times I've watched this episode. Um, and there's still things I'm, I'm curious about. Um, but let, let's get into it. Let's just follow the format we've, we've kept. And by the way, can I just say, congratulations, Dallas, you've made it through all of Twin Peaks, the television show, at least up until yeah. the year 2017. Yeah. You did it. I did it. I did it. I can't believe I did it. I'll be honest. When we started this thing, I wasn't sure I was going to do it. <laughs> it all and it only took us like a year plus, but we got through 30, 30 episodes. So did congrats. it take us over a year? We started when I was living in San Jose, like in that I was in an apartment. So yeah, yeah. yeah I think we started in March of last wow. year. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm sorry, Sean. Why? I, Sorry, it was, it's taking this long. No, it was fine. I'm, I'm, by my whole goal was for us to get to this point, but right, you know, it's kind of nice that we're where we're at when we're at it because it's like, you know, if we had finished this in like November, then it's like maybe we wouldn't have the uh, the rhythm to kind of continue on. I feel like you and I, I feel like you and I are kind of finally hitting our stride, and we're gonna continue on right into season three. It's perfect. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch season three. Um, keep going. <laughs> Well, that's your right. I can't. I can't force you to. Yeah, maybe um, John can co-host this with you from here on out. <laughs> you're telling me you're out. Um, 
By the well, way, call out to John Lorenz. Didn't even respond to any text messages. I know. I know. He's the busiest. So if he's listening right now. No, <clears throat> I don't care how busy you are, John. Busiest man in rock, you know. If you're listening right now, disappointed is the only word that I have for you. Mm. Disappointed. We, we still love you, John. Um, nope. And, and I mean, in the end, and I love having John on because I've talked to the people who listen to the show. John is my one of my oldest Twin Peaks friends. But, you know, in the beginning, there was us, and here we are. Yeah, here we um, are. For those of you who don't know, I originally was going to call this podcast Dallas Does Donuts. Um, <laughs> but there was already a podcast called Dallas Does Donuts. I know, and it was about donuts. So um, Who knew? Oh, by the way, I'm going to get donuts in the morning. Well, what's your, I'm what's, starting your, to know. what's your donut of choice? Oh, I go with a nice, uh, I go with a nice uh, cinnamon roll. You like, you like the cinnamon roll? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you know what my favorite donut is? Is what? from Peterson's. Love Peterson's, and it's and Escondido, California. Escondido, and they have uh, the like the old fashioned uh, maple with the, yep. the maple icing, old fashioned. Whew, yeah, doesn't get better than that. It's good stuff. It's real good. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Sean? What's your favorite donut? Thanks for asking. Uh, I'm I'm an apple fritter guy. Oh, all right. Yeah. That's I'm my, all right with that. That's my jam. Um. Okay. Well, this is episode 22 of season two. This this the title of this one is Beyond Life and Death. Mm-hmm. Sure. Why not? Um. This was. This is a. This is a funny one. This was written, it's credited being written by Mark Frost, Harley Payton, and Robert Engels. But in the reality, uh, David Lynch pretty much rewrote all of this. Um, You all can go online and read the script for this episode. And there's been articles written comparing and contrasting what was on the page and what was shot. And they're very different. Um, This was definitely Lynch coming back to the show looking at what had been done in season two and just being like, it's all wrong. This is what this is supposed to be. Um, So it swings really heavily from the last episode. What's funny about this is they kind of can't, I think I mentioned this after two episodes ago, which was the path to the black lodge. I think was what it was called. They stopped showing, they they stopped airing the show. They basically like canceled it. And then they aired the last two episodes three months later as like a movie of the week thing. So you had Miss Twin Peaks, the episode we just watched before this, was like the first hour and then they aired this. And it's like <laughs> such a... Such a like, here's one version of Twin Peaks and then here is the like... You know, not watered down, like just the full Monty. Um, And so it's funny that that's how, if you were a Twin Peaks fan in, in, you know, the year this aired, you saw, this is how you received um, this episode. So, yeah. um, You know, not to once again compare it to Northern Exposure. Go ahead. uh, Go ahead. The last episode of Northern Exposure, uh, the guy, the main guy, Rob Murrow. Yeah. His character basically kind of disappeared in the last season of Northern Exposure. Okay. And uh, he didn't want to come back to do a final episode. Okay. And so they couldn't do like a final what happens to Rob Morrow episode. Yeah. And instead they like reshot this weird last episode where they all do like a cookout. Mm-hmm. And they like reminisce. Mm-hmm. And it's real bad. <laughs> it's just real bad. So you don't like the finale of Northern Exposure or Twin Peaks is what you're saying. And what's funny is that Heather Graham's in both of them. No, is she really? Nope. Oh, I, I honestly have never seen Northern Exposure. It's just, oh, it's a good show. You know. It's a lot like Twin Peaks. Yeah. Except um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> so... um so anyway, David David Lynch did not actually does not have a writing credit on this, but he pretty much was his hand was heavy uh in this episode of of Twin Peaks. So, um we start out where we ended up last time was that kind of we know what's going to happen episode where, you know, it ended where Wyndham 
kidnapped Annie after she won Miss Twin Peaks. And so we're picking up pretty shortly after that. So back at the sheriff station, uh, I like, I kind of like that he starts with Lucy and Andy. Like, I feel like he came in and he's like, we need to fix a lot of things. He's like, let's start with these two characters who you've stopped caring about. And like, I want to try to breathe a little bit of life back into them. And I thought it was cool that he starts out with them because you're like, Oh, you know what? At one point I did like Lucy and Andy and I was interested Mm -hmm. in them. And so they have this kind of cute little scene where he's like, you know, you know, she's like going through all these, like, what if this happened? And you know, what if I was pregnant? And, And he's like, you know, I, then I deliver that baby in front of God and everyone. And it was, it's cute. And, and it's, it's enough of them to be like, okay, sorry. We used to like them. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, no, I get you. Um, so Cooper is, they've obviously, instead of like going out to try to find Wyndham, they've gone back to the sheriff station to try to, figure out what's going on with that petroglyph. Now that Andy has told Cooper, he thinks it's a map. Um, in lieu of the two of them out searching, uh, Sheriff tells Cooper he's got deputies from three counties looking for Earl. who's disappeared. They can't find him. Cooper's like, look, the only way we're going to find him is if we can figure out, you know, what the map is supposed to tell us. So he's trying to, he's trying to piece it together. And then Pete Martell shows up. And I love this. This is like one of my favorite lines when he says, Grand Theft Auto. Um, <laughs> and he just kind of, the way he walks in, it's just so great. It's it's right away. Oh, you're like, hey. so, yeah, what? Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. I need to do two things. Hold on. Okay. For those of you who are maybe just turning, like tuning into this episode, Dallas will just get up and like, and just leave the, in the middle of the podcast, and um, I just don't edit it because I'm lazy. Sorry, I'm sure there are way, 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 way more technically like you know efficient and professional podcasts about Twin Peaks out there. We're just not that one, so you just have to sit through it, you know. In this episode, I feel like there's a lot of these little, like really long pauses and stuff that takes way too long. So I feel like this almost fits for us you know here this is like the Dell Mibbler part of um, our podcast so I'm just going to leave this in here because again then I'd have to go back into logic and figure out what point he said I have to you know go do something Dallas <sighs> sorry tell us what you had to do well my dog is gotten to the point where he's trained enough to tell me when he has to go outside sure and uh, so he was scratching at the door. So I let he, him write, go he, write, I th- he writes it on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, he he comes up and he, it's not like the best, you know, like penmanship. I mean, he's a dog. He just draws like a tree, and you're like, oh, outside. No, no, he writes words. It's kind of like, like those Chick Fil A posters. Do we, do we need more firewood? What is it? <laughs> what is it? Scraps. You want to read the Tree of Life? uh he uh so and then i forgot that i got a beer to talk about this episode so i went to get the beer that's a good idea all right it's called a renegade blonde oh nice i'm drinking uh um i don't know what i'm drinking it's good though Mm. it's got some funny label there's a lot of like the craft beer scene in uh northern california is is it's good it's not san diego good but it's good yeah i might be over it anyway go ahead yeah so um okay so pete comes in and like i said this is one of my favorite lines where he's talking about grand theft auto the log lady stole my truck yeah grand theft auto (laughs) yeah the log was a 67 chevy (laughs) powder blue um it's great you're like oh pete and I just feel like the way Lynch directs, you kind of get the like character, the version of that character you like. Like even Cooper is different in this, um, and so obviously he thinks that the log lady stole his truck. We know it's Wyndham Earl. Cooper, you know, says the same thing. It, the log lady did not steal your truck. She's gonna be here, you know, any minute. So Cooper has summoned the log lady to show up. Um, and <clears throat> um, so he's looking at the map. Oh, Pete tells him that they took off towards the woods, which kind of snaps in Cooper's head. So he's talking about um, 
the sycamore trees are on the map. There's like the 12 trees. And Hawk says, that's where I found um, the towel, the bloody towel in the diary pages after they were investigating Laura's death. Um, that place in Twin Peaks is known as Glastonbury Grove, um, where Cooper makes the connection that Glastonbury in England is the place where they, you know, the legend is that King Arthur was buried there, which gives Pete tease up another classic Pete line where he goes, King Arthur's buried in England. Um, so then the, the <laughs> but he follows it with last, last I heard. heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, rest in peace, Jack Nance. He's the one guy who, well, no, I wouldn't say he's the one guy, but it would have been great if he, uh, had had you know been able to be in season three, but he passed away a long time ago. So he's fantastic. Yeah, well, that's though. not even the reason why, Sean. I don't know why you're yelling at me. Just keep going. Okay. Um, okay, the log lady shows up. So <laughs> it's so good because he's like, "Where's my truck?" Um, she brings. Uh, this mason jar full of oil. So the only, the one thing we know about the log lady, and it's important to note that log lady was not actually in the script for this last episode, but David Lynch brought her back. The log lady was like the first character who was created for the show. This was like this character that, um, Catherine Colson and David Lynch created when they were making Eraserhead. She was, you know, I think she was in Eraserhead, but she was kind of a part of the production crew. Um, and so the oil was the oil was something that her husband brought back before he died in a fire. Um, and she says that he called it an opening to a gateway. So he smells the oil and he gives it to Harry to smell. <clears throat> Truman recalls Jacoby smelling this scorched engine oil when Leland killed Jock. Um, they bring in Ronette who was like, was she just there the whole time? But then they're just like, Oh, thank you for coming in. Um, and she recognizes the oil smell as being connected to, um, you know, Laura's killer. So, um, anyway, there's that scene, Dallas. Do you have something clever you want to say? I don't know. You got to be a dick about it. <laughs> well, I just think I'm like, we're getting into the end of this season and I feel like I got, you know, I got to get it in there. I don't- yeah, no, I get it. And I feel like we're talking about pointless things, but keep going. But you, do you feel, you feel like we're talking about pointless things? Well, you know, the format, we follow the format. So I want to follow the format, but none of this ultimately matters. I guess to me, I'm bringing these things up because. No, no, no. I don't disagree with you. You should, we should follow the format. We can stray from the format. No, it's fine. Well, like, no, we can talk. I have nothing to say about the log lady and the smell and Ronette. I have nothing to say about those things. Is there a place you'd like me to skip to? Because I can, I, I, we have a lot to talk about. I don't know season three. I don't, I don't know anything about season. Three. <laughs> I'll call Keckner. Well, we can try to get through this quicker because I would like to spend more time talking about the end. So, yeah. um, I just, I love that first scene, and I feel like no, it's a great scene, and Pete's I, great. Honestly. I kind of, I'm kind of pointing out some of the stuff because I feel like it's a quick introduction that, you know. Um, Tim Hunter is not directing this. Like we have the creator back. Um, and anyway, so, oh man. So that sucks. You got a problem with Tim Hunter though, but I'm saying as good as Tim Hunter is, it's like, this is just decidedly and instantly a different episode. And it's like, we're kind of back to the, I mean, all of my favorite episodes are directed by David Lynch. And this is, this is one of them. Um, so, Back to, um, not back to. So in the woods, we actually see Wyndham has stolen Pete's truck. Um, and this is a really creepy scene where he's got the flashlight and he's trying to scare Annie. We know that he's going to try to use fear to open the door to the Black Lodge. There's this kind of weird line where he, he's like making her look at the trout in the back of the truck. Um and she's kind of relatively calm for as like I would be way more scared, but um, you know she's reciting prayers as he's leading her towards Glastonbury Grove, and um, you know she's telling him Dale's gonna come to save her. He says he won't. This is kind of something he says just like last time. Um, when they enter that circle of trees, she kind of goes into this like weird trance, um, 
And so maybe she's like faking it or maybe it's like her answer to prayer. But uh, we'll kind of talk more about Annie later on because she's an interesting part of the whole rest of this show, um, this episode. So they enter the Black Lodge. Um, The curtains show up and they go in. Okay, so we know that Nadine got conked. Did did you when you saw that go? Oh, she's gonna like go back to old Nadine at all? Last episode, <clears throat> I did actually. I didn't think that. Just so yeah. you know, Tim Hunter directed *River's Edge*. Yeah, we talked about that when he because he directed one of the first episodes of the show. He also directed an episode of *Beverly Hills 90210*. It's a great show. *Falcon Crest*. Yes. Uh, *Chicago Hope*. Mm-hmm. Homicide, Life on the Street. Yeah. Um, directed, let's see, a bunch of movies no one's ever heard of, a bunch of TV movies, CSI, yeah. Carnival, House. I liked Carnival. Cold Case, Deadwood, mm. Breaking De- Bad. Deadwood, Breaking Bad. Law and Order, Mad Men. He directed six episodes of Mad Men. <clears throat> Mad Men. Sons of Anarchy, Lie to Me, Dexter, two episodes of Dexter. It'd be interesting to see how many, I bet you like a lot of the people who directed like on this show directed on all those ones you're just mentioning. That's you know. true. <clears throat> 80 things. Anyways, keep going. 80, cool. 80 things he's directed. That's a good, that's a good resume. Good career. Um, okay. So we're quickly <sighs> realized that something happened with Nadine um, and something happened with Mike, which I actually didn't remember seeing that in the last episode. But then he talks about it. He got hit by a tree. Do you remember seeing that in the no, last episode? No, I don't remember seeing that. Yeah. So, because they have like matching, uh, you know, head wounds. So Nadine is back, and this is all just so sad. She's like, doesn't know who Mike is, and she wants to know why Norma is there. And Mike is like so dejected. Um, <laughs> You know, and Ed grabs her and he's yelling at her, how old are you? And she's like, 35, you moron. Um, it's just like, it, they, they have they have these two scenes, this one and the next one, back to back. And it's just like, oh, it's kind of a gut punch. So, um, Yeah, I felt really bad for Ed. Yeah, well, you get the Ed thing. And then so then at the Hayward house, you know, the, it's the whole Ben Horn thing. And like, finally, this is going to die. So like... Ben is cruised by because Donna has said we need to talk. And so, you know, we know Ben started to tell her the truth. She ran off. So Ben cruises by the Hayward house. Doc Hayward is not there because Doc Hayward is, um, where was Doc Hayward? He was at the sheriff's station, right? No, Probably. He, or was he at, he was at Ed and Nadine's? He was at Ed and Nadine's. So because, yeah, because they got their heads um, knocked in. So like, so Doc Hayward shows up and he can tell that Dawn is upset, that Eileen's upset. And like, finally Doc Hayward gets mad. Like I was like waiting for this for so long. Like I wrote yeah. Doc, Doc Hayward is like the Norv Turner of Twin Peaks, <laughs> which is a joke for like three of you. Um, yeah. he He's like a wet noodle. And then of course, like right when he's there, he's like telling Ben to stay out of his life Sylvia Horn just shows up and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, Sylvia, I told you to stay home. And I was like, I wanted her to be like, but I haven't been in the show in like six months. Yeah, um, I know. I haven't, I don't remember <laughs> Sylvia Horn. I wanted them to all be like, who are you? Um, Sylvia? <laughs> is that your name? Didn't you move? From episode two? <laughs> with the with the baguettes um <laughs> so then doc hayward rages at ben punches him and then ben recoils and hits his head on the mantle and it doesn't look good he's he's all bloody and then doc is really upset and like i said having these scenes back to back it's pretty it's pretty heavy but this is overall this is a pretty heavy episode there's not a lot of lighthearted stuff in this one well and then, like, as soon as Donna walked by Ben Horn, you kind of knew he was probably going to die. Well, I mean, like, you're right. I mean, we ben. don't know. You, we don't know. But, like, she has a track record. She is the fiercest killer in Twin Peaks. Is it weird for you that we're caught up now? Is Donna, that weird to you? Do- Donna makes Bob scared, 
right? Actually, except no, you've seen Firewalk with me. Yes, I have seen Firewalk with me. So we're not caught up. So I've seen Firewalk with me, and I've read The Secret History of Twin Peaks, which does have a few things of note in terms of like, you know, knowing what happens to certain characters. Mm. Um, Not a ton, but a few things. So, um, yeah, Donna's a, dude, Donna's a killer. She's, she's Donna went on to write her first novel. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so great if they did that kind it, of ending. It was a moderate success. Oh, my god! Then gosh. she wound up opening up a knick-knack shop right outside of town. <laughs> called Donna's Knick-Knacks. <laughs> <laughs> her neighbor died later that month. Mike, or Snake, as we like to call him, <laughs> went on and learned how to fuse ketchup into potato chips. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. We should do that. We should make our own one of those. I should. Called the Secret Secret History of Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, dude, that's that's actually like a really funny idea. If we were good at video and doing that, like at the end of this episode, we should tack on our own, like, what happened to everyone. <laughs> We got a we got a couple of weeks to do it because you could just take footage from the show, you know, because yeah. it's always just like them smiling and then it like pauses. Yeah, the Animal House ones are my favorite. Like those are some yeah. really great, great jokes. Okay, maybe we'll work on that. We probably won't. Um, Sylvia lived in town and no one knew. <laughs> I told you to wait in the last season. Um, I told you to wait in season one. So. Um, Ben Horn just lay there on the floor for years. <laughs> oh, sure. Time came and went. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's good. You're doing a good job. Um, okay, Coop, Coop, and Truman find Pete's car um, on their way towards. They know where they're going now. They had they have to find Glastonbury Grove. So Coop has a moment similar to Annie where he gets like hits this one spot and he kind of just like stops. He's kind of in a trance and he tells. Harry, he has to go on alone. Like Harry doesn't even try to stop him at all, which is funny considering Harry's always just like, you know, I got your back. Like he's just like, okay. Um, as Coop's walking, we hear an owl, and then we see an owl. Uh, Cooper finally finds the 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 trees. Um, I, are sycamore trees like really that small? They're like so little, so little tiny. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and they don't and, have any uh, no leaves either. These two sycamore trees went on to grow mighty and tall, <laughs> hovering over the town, protecting Donna's knickknack shop for decades to come. <laughs> they buried old Ben Horn out here in one of these sycamore trees. It was a modest funeral, attended by all the Civil War reenactors in town. <laughs> Bobby Briggs played trumpet. It would be amazing if that's all season three is. It's just a really long curtain call. (laughs) Uh, From womb to tomb. Del Mibler was buried along with his glasses. Um, (laughs) I can't wait to get to Del Mibler. So, um, okay, so the sycamore trees, and there's that kind of little circular pond where it kind of was like, is that the is the pond water? Or is that the oil that they were talking about? I don't know. I think it's just water because like the next morning when you see the reflection, it looks like it's just a little little tiny pool. Um, so Harry does follow Cooper and he sees Coop. Um, he sees we don't. I guess we if we're seeing Harry's point of view, we see him see the curtains like kind of fade in. And he sees Coop go in. And there's a really cool, I think it's really cool. Once the curtains disappear, there's like a spotlight that like just barely is fading out. Um, I don't know. I love that scene, that little shot. I think it's awesome. Okay, Coop enters. Um, what we have been building up to as... So what's interesting is like the writers made this place kind of like it was known as the black lodge, but we never really get into that in this episode. Like we assume that's where he is because that's what they've been talking about. But you know, 
it's always kind of known as like the red room as far as David Lynch is concerned. So like, we're not always sure where he is when he goes into this place. But anyway, he enters through the curtains and here he is. So he enters this hallway and we've, we've been to this place before. This is where he had that dream where we first, you know, meet the little man, you know, he's <clears throat> dancing and we see Laura Palmer. So that's where he is. He enters, he goes down a hallway and enters into this room we see the little man enter, he's dancing, and we also hear singing. And so the person singing um, is, I don't know that we, he actually has a, the character has a name, but this is the, he's a f- famous singer, Jimmy Scott, who's like, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about him before I saw this episode, but he had a career um, back in like like the, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, but as time went on for Jimmy, he settled down in a tiny town at Twin Peaks. <laughs> it's hard to joke about this episode, we're, we're, we'll, but we'll figure out ways to throw in jokes. Um, what do you mean figure out? I'm killing it right now. So what's interesting about this guy is he has this syndrome. Like he has a really high voice, right? You notice that. Yeah. Um, so there, this syndrome where he was, he like never really went through puberty, which yeah. is why his voice is so high. and. Apparently, he was 4'11 until he was age 37, and then he grew eight inches. Wow. Like, can you imagine at 37, you're like, I have to buy new pants. <laughs> like, that's insane. But I love this song, and I love this scene. Um, we know. I will agree with you there. It's so, it's such a beautiful piece of music and you know what we know about these these characters is you know the music is such a big thing and that you know there's all the lines about where we're from the birds sing a pretty song we know about leland with all the music and stuff and so it's no shock that when when cooper finally enters there's music and it's this really really haunting and dark and the the song ended up being on the soundtrack to firewalk with me even though it's not in that movie um, but I think it was just like people wanted to have a copy of that song. Yeah. And so we only no, get, it's a good song. we only get like a minute of it, but it's longer than that. But it's, it's the awesome. first time they use a song in this show that didn't make me want to throw the TV through a window. Sure. It wasn't James singing that one song. Um, <laughs> um, and anyway, so he sings that song. Evelyn Marsh finally sold her mansion. <laughs> He sings this song about the sycamore trees. Um, maybe he talks about their size and how, like, how uh, if they're, you know, um, what do you call annuals or perennials? Maybe he, maybe there's a verse in there that I haven't heard. Um, <laughs> but there's this kind of creepy, you know, with the strobe lights, and then he disappears, and then mm-hmm. that's all we get right there of that of the. Um, of that space that is that the room. song longer on the soundtrack yes yeah it is okay. yeah so it's worth noting at this point that um david lynch like front loaded uh this episode with commercial breaks so like the last when we get there i'll tell you but like kind of when we go back to the red room it was all continuous from that point on wow which is cool because i think he was like Okay, how do, how can I do this where I can get the last thirty minutes? I think it's actually twenty minutes, where I don't have to stop. Because um, it it when you think about it, it'd be funny if you had to like cut from commercial back into that whole scene at the end. So there's a lot of breaks early on, so he could you know he had to appease ABC with the you know all the ad time. Okay, um, Andy's searching for Truman, um, and then there's a. Like there's kind of a shot of the mountains, a shot of the bridge, which is kind of known as Ronette's Bridge. That's where they found Ronette. Um, and then, yeah, you didn't know that? It was yesterday. My wife just found out the Warriors swept the Blazers. Um, so. To- oh, she used to tell her to see the original film. <laughs> Time has passed, uh, is kind of the purpose of these last couple shots. So. We see we see Truman. This is kind of funny, a funny scene. We see Truman and Annie sitting on a log, and this is when Truman says that Cooper's been in there for about ten hours. Um, and there's that whole like really drawn out dialogue about 
you know, Andy asking him what he wants to eat. Does he want a thermos of coffee? Does he want a plate special? Does he want dessert? Does he want pie? And it's like, you know, the answer is yes to all of those. Um, and it's like really, really, you could tell that they probably do that scene and, and David Lynch was like, cut, like wait longer, you know? There's a few scenes like this in the show where he definitely uses time to kind of play with the viewer, I feel like. Um, yeah. And speaking of that, we get to the bank scene. Um, the best name in the show so far has to be Del Mibler. Like, that's so good. <laughs> and you know, you know I'm a name guy. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Like, Del Mibler is so good. I don't yeah, know if it's that's... Good. I don't know if we've... We haven't met Del Mibler yet, right? Like, you don't... We've never seen him in any of the episodes. Uh, I haven't seen him before, but he's really good. He's so good. It's really awesome. My favorite part... Well, we'll I'll just try... We'll try to get through this because it's kind of... It just is really long. And I'll try to not make it be as long as it is in the show. Audrey shows up at the bank. She's staging a PR stunt. She changes, she changes herself to the vault. She wants Dell to then do all the heavy lifting of this stunt to like call the paper, call the sheriff. She's laying a lot on Del Mibler, who is, it seems, appears to be like, you know, like, is he retiring this weekend? Like, why is he still there? Um, she asks for a glass of water. It literally takes two minutes him to get it it's fantastic or it's horrible depending on your kind of where you're at with the show dude whoa sorry sorry no it's okay what happened well i i made that warriors joke right yeah and then i thought to myself wait a minute the guy from the warriors is in twin peaks yeah yeah yeah, yeah jerry horn yeah we've talked he's about in that. twin peaks we have yeah oh my god yeah we have I don't know. It's been a year and a half. What's you know what's been funny for me lately is we're getting I'm getting like tweets or emails from people who are like who are kind of you know they're behind us. Everyone's behind us, but I'm like, and they're referencing jokes, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. Like, <laughs> yeah, we kind of record these and then put them out. I never listen. I just I check to make sure the ending and the and the be, like beginning and ending are like clean, and then I never like <laughs> I never listen again. <laughs> So yeah, it's not that like I'm being rude. I just like don't always remember because usually you and I are like really drunk. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really drunk right now, but well, I could not, be. Not yet. Um, uh, wait, sorry wait till to we cut get, you off. Wait till we get to the red room drinking game. So um, Dick Nibbler <laughs> is in the bank. <laughs> no, that was my favorite Nintendo game, by the way. Dick Nibbler. <laughs> I think that came free. If you did, you have yeah. Did you have the glo the power glove and you'd play <laughs> Dick Nibbler? Oh, that and Goonies too. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Inside the power glove. <laughs> oh man. I can't wait okay, for someone to going. remember, like, to tweet us about the power glove joke, and I won't remember that at all. Um, well, I will. Okay. Where were we? Okay, so yes, my favorite part of this scene is not the, like how long it takes, but after he gives her the glass of water, it's like the actor who's playing him is just kind of waiting for Andrew and Pete to show up, and he doesn't know what to do, so he's yeah. just kind of like waddling like back and forth, and when they like finally show up, he's just like, <sighs> like it's so it's maybe the best part of this whole episode. <laughs> Where you could tell, maybe even Dave Lynch was like, told Jack Nance and the guy who plays Andrew Martell, like, just wait, like, wait, like, longer than you think you're supposed to come in. Just wait a little bit longer just to see what this guy does. And it's yeah. so, so fun. Um, yeah, it's really so funny. Andrew and Pete show up. Del Mibbler obviously knew Andrew because he's like shocked to see him alive. And they're like, yeah, 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 he's alive. Audrey is still going after Del about making phone calls and I it's like maybe Audrey should have made some of these phone calls first but you know what are you gonna do um she's a high school senior she should be in school so Dell is taking his sweet time getting these guys to their safety deposit box um did we skip that scene 
Oh, we did. We did skip that scene. So, oh, where he like steals the thing? Yeah, it, it, which maybe you're happy because now now I'm not finally following the uh, <clears throat> following the like template of the show. But anyway, it's a really short scene where Andrew, you know, swaps out the key, but Pete sees him. But it's also kind of it, the it's weird the way they did it, where you like Pete sees him, but Andrew acts like he hasn't been caught. But obviously, we know when we see the two of them together that Pete did see what he did. Um, Andrew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. So Dell's taking his sweet time, leading him to the safety deposit box. Um, there's a weird little moment where the security guard gets a phone call, and he's 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 yelling, "It's a boy!" So we don't know if this is like, we don't know the relation of the this if it's his. It's obviously not his kid. He would have been there, but um, it is funny considering what is about to happen. When they finally open the safety deposit box, it's a note that says. I don't know if it says got you or something like that. And it's, it's from Thomas Eckert and it's a bomb and it yeah, blows it says, up. What is it? What does it say? It says, I got you, Andrew yeah. Thomas. Yeah. So Thomas Eckert yeah. from the grave has managed to rig a, a bomb. And I don't know how he does, how, how would you do this? Um, but he does it. He so. blows up the bank, which the um, people in the bank that we know were uh, Pete Martell and Andrew Packard, Del Mibler, Audrey Horn, the security guard who just had a nephew or, you know, I don't know, maybe he's a, grand, he's a grandfather. Uh, and then the, like, accountant woman who was asleep when this whole scene started were all in this bank that has been destroyed. And the assumption is that they're all dead. You would one would think, considering the sh- exterior shot of the windows exploding, um, yeah. whereas we were obviously like downstairs, right? There were no windows where where we were. You know what I mean? So it feels like, kind of feels like it's a downstairs thing. But maybe that was the floor that we that they're on. Um, so. <sighs> Obviously not excited to lose Pete. Never. Uh, pretty much the biggest bummer of the episode. Uh, Audrey, though. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. What? 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 Say that one more time. I said it was a pretty big, like the the biggest bummer of the episode was losing Pete. The whole episode, the biggest bummer. Yeah. Okay. Yes, undoubtedly. <laughs> Oh, what was it? Was it Snake and Nadine's breakup? Was that what it was for you? <laughs> okay, go on, please. So Pete being blown up was terrible because he was great in the show. He was my favorite character of the show. Our podcast is named after him. Sure. And, but then I think, okay, Audrey. Now, why the hell is Audrey there to protest? When did she ever talk about doing this? Uh, it's like all of a sudden she just showed up after Miss Twin Peaks and decided to protest at the bank. And never talk to anybody about this ever. Sure. And then on top of that, it looked like the bank was in a ta- part of town that I've never seen. No. Yes. Before. Yes. Like it looked like it was an exterior shot from The Godfather Two or something. Like it was just this weird. It. It was definitely like. It had to have been one of those things where that was just like stock footage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. It was so weird. And then the whole scene with like the tree and the glasses is kind yeah. of, it's so, it's a weird little, the way they did that. Like I there's really, like, there's just like dollar bills like floating in the air. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't get the Audrey part and that, that was weird enough for me. Cause I'm like, she, Audrey never bothered me. Like she's not a character that needed to like die like this, assuming she did. But she, it's not like that. This was her ending. Was giving her a, a shitty ending. <laughs> sure. And then, like, I just hate the like the exterior. I just hated it. I was just like, I don't know. It was such a weird move to make, where it's like we're going to show you this bank that you've never heard of before, and it looks different from every other place in this town. Yeah. I just didn't like it, man. It was there, really. There's a few. There's a few moments in this show where they, at the time thought they might get a season three and this would have been 1992 so like 
we may have found out what was going to happen with these characters. Like, did they die? Did they not die? You know, like the next scene has a kind of a hint as to maybe where they were going to go. Um, and so the next scene is at the double R. The first part of the scene is like a direct callback to the pilot. So, um, you know, uh, Bobby and Shelly are at the diner, like doing their exact same dialogue from the pilot. Um, Heidi even shows up and I wrote like, they're lucky Heidi was still in showbiz. Like she wasn't getting paychecks from Twin Peaks for the last two years, you know. Like, well, like, 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 luckily, when they're like, hey, we want to have you back, she's like, I work at a diner now. Like, I, can't, <laughs> I can't get the time off to come have two lines. Oh. You know? Or what if Heidi was like, she owned like a stock in the show or something? Yeah. Like, Maybe. I'll do the part, but I want to own 2% of the show. David Lynch is like, one and a half. <laughs> um, she's German. <laughs> <laughs> so um there's a line about Bobby wants to marry Shelly and Shelly's like I'm already I'm married to Leo I've still got Leo's ring and um you know Bobby has a line about how Leo's probably having the time of his life where there's in kind of an instant this was a scene from the last episode like they just used footage of Leo with the string in his mouth um apparently in the script for this they had more for Leo in this and David Lynch was just like, I don't care. Um, oh, yeah, I, it did seem weird that we got nothing from Leo. But it would, I think it ended poorly for Leo um, was how the script went. So in our heads, in our minds and in our hearts here at Dish and the Percolator, Leo is still holding on to that string. Um, <laughs> come on, do it. Do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> no, stop. Do it. Leo never did like that. Let go of that string, <laughs> and those spiders became his best friends. They'd crawl down and bring him food from time to time, feed it to him like a mama bird to a baby bird. Then they'd crawl back up in there just to keep the tension going. <laughs> Leo tried to say thank you, but he knew if he did, he'd die. One day, Leo had a heart attack, and those spiders fell on him, and they thought just for kicks, let's try to kill him again. There you go. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Dallas. No problem. I may have you do a few more of those. Um, <laughs> okay, so so this next part is actually kind of it's somewhat important as far as where maybe they were going to go with the show. Rust- why were they Why were they confused about getting a season three if they weren't even airing the end of season two? <laughs> Because they might have been, you don't know when they, I don't know when they wrote this. I'm sure I could find that out. You know, they may have written this. They may have filmed this long before it even aired. They may have written it way before that. So I'm sure they were sketching out blueprints for this episode a long time before it actually even got, you know, was written. So Mm. one of the scenes here is, and by the way, Russ Tamlin is at least back to say goodbye. And he looks awesome. He has a cape, a cape and a top hat on. Um, like he looks like Dr. John. Um, no, that's pretty great. Like he's going to be in the (laughs) last, like he's got to go straight from this to the last waltz. So, um, okay. So he's got Sarah Palmer with him though. She's there. She wants to talk to Major Briggs. And so um, he tells Major Briggs that she has a message for him. And in this really deep and weird, creepy voice, she says, I'm in the lodge. I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper. And she says, um, and it's, if if you didn't watch with the subtitles, it says it's Wyndham Earl's voice. Um so somehow Earl is using her to communicate. I've heard theories that it's actually Laura talking through her mother because that's like she has that kind of psychic connection with her. But the subtitles literally say Winter Merle's voice. Um, so then. Hey, sorry. What's the name of the, the German lady that walks in? The German lady that walks in. Heidi. Heidi. Okay. Andrea Hayes is her name. Yeah. She's in the new season. So stoked. 
uh, one episode. Don't, she's in the movie, apparently. She is in the movie, I think. The, she's in Footloose. The season three IMDb credits are all wonky, so if it says one no, episode. No, I'm not. I, I, whatever. But uh, Footloose. Yeah. And then she's a costume designer and a makeup artist as well. Well, she wasn't getting enough episodes in Twin Peaks, so yeah. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I just was interested to find out. Go ahead. Um, Wyndham so, Earl's voice. So then the, it's a shot of the hallway in the Red Room, the Black Lodge, and you hear the little man's voice say, I'm waiting for you. Okay. So at this point, we go to commercial, and then when we come back, we stay in Twin Peaks till the end. This was where he had <clears throat> he had spent all of his commercial money and had saved up um for this whole like kind of last 20 minutes so um are you ready ready to do this it doesn't matter pete's dead Mm, yeah dig that kurtz Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes, something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin. 